Good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. If all this goes well, this will be wave of the future because we are doing this podcast via Skype differently than we did it months ago. So we're trying it a different way. And if everything works out, listeners, you'll know about it because we'll be doing this much more. And we'll have, I know for certain, we'll have a guest from Columbus, Ohio via Skype at some point this year as a guest on the uh, podcast. We'll talk about a little bit more about that later on as Wildcat and I will describe our recent travels. But we also will have coaches on during the basketball season. I'll talk about that in a second, too. But, gentlemen, how are you? Let's first, Wildcat, how are you, sir? Considering you and I have, just have, have, have made a... Enlightenment, that's what I'm gonna call it. An enlightenment trip to Columbus, Ohio. I am overjoyed to see what the future looks like when there's festivities and all going on in that great city. Doc, how are you, sir? Well, in a bigger picture, while it's challenging for people of color, it's certainly difficult for people of meager means. Those that are financially not in great disposition, but as myself, with all things good, it certainly is not the worst of times, although it may not be the best of times. Well, I hope for certain this ain't the best of times, because if it is, we're in trouble if this is the best of times. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think we're, we're going up, we're on the, not only are we on a down slope, but that's, that snowball is building up steam and I'm rolling down here, Kevin. We on a, if, we, if this is a good time. But, uh, Certainly, but as, for me, I, I must admit, thank, be thankful that, that uh, everything for me is actually going really well. Speaking of which, to further get to that point of the doctor talking about things yeah. going very well for him. I have come across I come across an article on Vice Sports with the title The Plot to Disrupt the NCAA with a Pay for Play HBCU Basketball League. And our colleague Dr. Kenyatta Cavill is quoted throughout this article. Sir, should we be asking for your autograph right now or wait till you're on um TV with Stephen A. Smith and others of that ilk. I'm looking forward to the next book. <laughs> well, I, I must say I am working on the next book, so hopefully that won't be too long. But according to the article, you can just call me the, an expert on HBCU athletics. How about that? And, he, and indeed, you are correct. So go ahead and expound on what the article, the the uh, purpose and intent of the article and what it's stating and, and and we'll get into the details and kick it around. Certainly. Uh, it's an intriguing article, and some people, in a lot of ways, probably think it's quite out there, and in a lot of ways, it actually is. And I think that's why it's appropriately uh, titled Plot to Disrupt the NBA with a Pay-for-Play HBCU Basketball League. It was written by Patrick Herbert, uh, who actually uh, called me and did an interview. Um, he worked with uh, and met me as we've done uh, travel. We both participated in the uh, SRI College Sports Institute, CSRI, I should say, uh, and just give you some ideas in regard to that. So, um, guy named Andy Sport, I talked with him quite a bit, and he's actually been working on this in context of talking to me over the last two three years, but he's done a lot of work as a, talking about uh, the NCA as uh, lawyers will bring him in, research and do his expertise in explaining, in his opinion, why the NCA in a lot of ways is essentially a legal cartel. So I would say, suggest that this is just part and parcel as they continue to move things forward. Um, there's two other partners that he works with, and one of them uh, happens to be an HBCU graduate. So he's a lot of people that uh, are pushing for HBCUs to find a way to move beyond their current place. And obviously with the research I did, I support that. And so I was the 
came in and looked at the business framing of this and asking how would you get off the ground and questions how challenging may it or may it not be and that's kind of what I provided in the context that I did. But essentially about the article, it is suggesting that um, HBCUs have had a difficult time with the NCAA, particularly since, as I refer to it, desegregation. And the others talk about it in terms of integration. When you see, when you saw black institutions, with historically black colleges being a part of a black institution, um, lost their financial ability um, to continue to grow as you saw black people or African-Americans move into white spaces, or black people yeah. move into white spaces, as they say. So that's a lot what you saw in terms of the changing paradigm. But as TV group, as the fandom and sports, even a bigger lexicon in America and across the world, financially it became lucrative. And so that was not only at the professional level, but that was actually at the collegiate level, and some people would say, to some degree, even at the amateur level, uh, in terms of AAU when I use amateur in this case. But the NCAA wants to continue to use previous what they call the amateur. It became difficult, as many people know by now, once the Olympics allowed uh, amateurs to financially uh, make money off their image, for the most part, in other ways as well. The NCAA changed it to the collegiate level model and essentially says that that would ruin the business. That's not part of it. But where it really gets challenging for a lot of people is uh, when you look at black institutions, the fact that they don't have the ability uh, to commoditize um, their own while white institutions are doing just that. And so this is where the idea where black colleges could maybe change the paradigm and literally uh, commoditize what they do in terms of basketball and turn that into a league. And so in that case, what you would find out is the other sports NCAA classification, or at least until they decided to move in the same way, they, but you essentially would start with basketball. You would need a philanthropist or significant contracts to finance this uh, package, but that look at uh, changing and see as as the niche of HBCU as a financial framing, those are the type of people you'd want involved. So one of the things I shared was this question as I start to look at HBCUs, I always tell people that HBCUs are not homogenous. So you need to look at HBCUs in different frameworks. Uh, private and public is one of the obvious ones, and that's the one I talked about, that it would be a lot more challenging for a public HBCU to jump on this board, jump on board, I should say, uh, right away compared maybe to a private And my rationale for making that comment was, is, as we know, public institutions are subsidized, financed by state legislation and federal legislation, more so by the state. And so a lot of the state legislators are um, alums, the power five institutions, many of them are fans of what they see as leading athletics. And so, in a lot of ways, uh, public institutions, if they drop this way, they might find a financial hit, getting financial gain on one side, but losing financial gain on the other side in terms of uh, backlash for those individuals. So those are some of the ideas that I said while this would be get it going. So you, in my opinion, need a, a young uh, president from a private agency that would come together and try to push this to the next level. And the, the art, in the article, a, a reference that the uh, startup costs would be between 30 and $50 million. I'm sure, I mean, clearly there are people in this country that are wealthy philanthropists, et cetera, who could, who could afford that if they wanted to, were so inclined to believe they could work, et cetera. Or even if they just wanted, were of the opinion that the NCAA needed to be 
shook. So, but it's... That's uh, exactly right. And that's what I put out there as well. Yeah, that's why I said a philanthropist or a business billionaire, if you would, that just kind of wanted to shake things up or saw it as a business uh, entity that would work. And I mentioned sports, but the other two guys were Volante Bain. Bain is the guy that I direct with. Right? But right now, it's, it's a concept. I uh, sent the article to a couple of people, and and one of one of them, all three of us know, but this person told me that the article, basically, <clears throat> Mr. Swartz is out of his mind. Didn't think it was realistic or feasible at all. So what do you say to somebody like that? I said that's, that's probably the same person that is just, um, it's not a big person of change. Uh, it's probably somebody that doesn't like uh, Ball, LeVar Ball in terms of the father. Mm-hmm. Lonzo. Lonzo. Lonzo, in terms of those, but people that are really don't think outside of the box, people that want the status quo, I'd be intrigued, interesting to see if that's the same person that would say they would be against paying college athletes in general. So, uh, those those are the people that are going to kind of push back on those kind of ideas because they just like the status quo in general. Well, you know, it, it, what it, I, I guess from my standpoint, from my standpoint, it would be, you know, all these sports channels now are starting to pop up uh, for whatever reason. Legitimate content. Uh, would that be one of the concepts that would either, uh, would either balance the scales or tip the scales one way or the other as to whether not so much being viable, but would it intrigue the presidents of uh, HBCUs to go that route since they're the ones that uh, that have the uh, voting power to basically say, we're going to move ahead and move forward and, uh, and you know, go, along, go with this once the uh, infrastructure has been put in place. Yeah, I think that's the... Uh I think that's a very important question. In the long-term success, you certainly would need the uh, contractual agreement in terms of media outlet, whether that would be um, television. In a lot of ways, since the new market is streaming, whether it's Twitter, um, Yahoo, uh, that kind of got in YouTube, they may be Facebook. the one yeah, that would think about it because that's kind of the new media market in a lot of ways. But certainly you would need some media exposure uh, for the long term for this to work. And once you get that along with the initial investment, then that's certainly when you would get more presence to see, all right, this is something that could be uh, become reality. You need those kind of components to make sure that you go forward. And I'm going to quote Doc one time, read the quote from Doc in the, from the, in the article. It would be difficult for a president at a public HBCU to think about trying this out without considering that they might have some backlash. The larger state schools enjoy a great deal of benefit from being aligned with the status quo, millions and millions of dollars. They have a lot of sway in terms of NCA legislation and state and federal legislation to support what they think is important. So now you're talking about smaller entities which presidents often put in place by legislatures or governors going back up against the same legislative machine. That's going out on a limb and going up against vested interests. People won't look at this in terms of equality. They will look at it in terms of what they're losing, end quote. And that's what you touched on earlier a few minutes ago, Doc about the public versus private universities. But here's a good take. Um, when Swartz and company use the term disruption, this is what they really mean. Transforming the association's strength into a weakness and turning the exploitative Hobson's choice currently presented to college athletes, amateurism or nothing, into a real one. Quote, you don't just have to be a high school All-American. Imagine you're playing at Georgetown. There's Howard right across the city in D.C., and those guys are getting paid. What would keep you where you are? You'd be like, the hell with this, I'm out. I'm going over there. 
You could have endorsement deals, have Cadillac give you a car. You ride around and hand out business cards for the local dealer. Every car sold, you get a cut. I'm telling you at that point, it's over, end quote. So there's, there's a mentality and mindset in a, in a you know, potential scenario of where this could happen. And here's a, the, another really good part of the article. Swartz envisions athletic shoe and apparel companies which already spend means outfitting athletic departments in order to put their logos on college athletes. Imagine it's Adidas. They probably have their eyes on someone who is going to be a one-and-done NCAA player two years from now. They might, they might say to him, if you go to Kentucky, we can't talk to you commercially until they, they say you, you've left for the NBA. But if you go to Prairie View A&M in our league, we can pay you tomorrow to be in our stuff, end quote. And at some point, some kids would be like, sounds good to me. Where do I go? Where do I sign? That's yeah. exactly right. You see, uh, it's all boiled down to the money. That's exactly right. That, that's, that's where everything shakes loose is in terms of the financial piece. Uh, you see it playing out. You seen one guy that got drafted yesterday and they listed, uh, his place of residence or where he's from, basically USA. Cause out of high school, he was going to go. The SMU didn't go. Ended up going overseas. So. You see a couple of guys doing that over the last several years, uh, for whatever reason, uh, deciding to look at other opportunities. I think in a lot of the, a lot of ways, that's why you see recently the NBA. I mean, you see um, the NBA talking about removing their one-year requirement from college to this end. It is really not helping uh, either college or themselves. And if um, if the guy's talented enough. Just sitting them there. I think the other way is you have uh, what used to be the D League now rebranded as G League as they got their Gatorade. And so this would do two things there if you could financially deal with that. In a lot of ways, it would potentially push the salary up. And the D League is looking more like Major League Baseball. We even had Coach K out of Duke. Correct. Today, I believe, it was announced that he was talking about that he would uh, support the NBA going back to allowing students to come out of high school, but if a, a student decided to go to college, that they would have to pay years. A lot of people are starting to push students in a di- different direction. They see that they're losing their grip on the control they have, so they're trying to move the rules in a different way so they can still maintain power, but uh, it is shifting to the point where players are getting to have uh, more power. And when I say players, I'm talking about young young men coming out of high school and college because uh, that the business is just right for the fact that um, it's no longer everybody else that is only going to get paid. You have smarter people. You have more instances where things are going on. You see the recruit um, that is blowing up the, the Internet social media platforms with the fact that he wore a shirt saying that he hoped he does get killed today, essentially. Yep. That's not a direct quote, but that was what he was talking about when he was going on in recruiting Crypto Ohio State, uh, just trying to bring awareness. Uh, we've, over the last couple of days, as I kind of opened up uh, the show, we've seen continued live dismiss in terms of young black men Really, people of all color, women as well, lose their lives uh, to police in regards. And we also seen those cases where police are not held accountable to what many people perceive are injustices. So it's going to be intrigued to continue to watch this battle, particularly uh, what's going on at the highest level in presidential in regards to uh, how people are looking at. Uh, what Trump is doing, as well as what's going on in Congress and Senate. So it'll be intriguing, and this is becoming to be a national battle in a lot of ways and internationally in, in regards to what's going on across the world. So 
these are uh, trying times in a lot of ways. It's going to be intriguing to see how this kind of plays out. I'm going to read some quotes from Coach K. It sounds like Wildcats internet just finally petering out on him there, but we'll make it work. But uh, here's, here's a quote. Uh, you, you're, you're buffering now, sir, so see what you can do to get that fixed. But here's a, here's a quote from uh, Coach K about uh, getting rid of the one and dones. And Doc and I and, and Wildcat have touched on this in numerous podcasts. Quote, in baseball, actually in theater, in music, if you're 16 and you're really good, you go on a different path. I really think that high school players should be allowed to go pro. And once they get to college, if you don't do that, I think a two-year period, so you legitimize being in college, going for an education. You don't just kind of use the college system as a training ground. I think each NBA team should be responsible for having a minor league affiliate, the development league where these kids could go in and you could train them. I mean, a kid who's really, really good coming out of high school who does not want to go to school would gain more from being in a pro system where he's working on his craft and his body and the development every day, just like a minor league, just like a baseball player. These, there are archaic rules to have an advance with the game that we impose on the collegiate players, end quote. To our this discussion, Texas Tribune had an article this week, thanks to some friends, some U of H alums who sent me the link via Twitter. The headline sounds great as a U of H alum. Texas A&M reigns, UH gets a boost in Texas college sports revenue. Sounds great. Read the article, you scroll down and you see the, the graphic or you see the, the table. University of Houston, expenses, $52.2 million. Revenues, $26.3 million. Doc, that's a loss of $25.9 million. You cannot sustain that over a long period of time if you want to be successful and call yourself a big time in a D1 uh, football, athletics, or what have you. Right. So, no question about it. And the difficult challenge with that is I can't see you making up that difference just in ticket sales alone. Um, you, you're going to have to need the television money to support and try to balance that out. And essentially, 
The only way you're going to get the television money is through a conference contract. And that's where we told all the listeners it's extremely important what the American is able to do in their next negotiation. Because if that doesn't change much, and U of H can't get into a Power 5 conference, then you're right, it becomes even more challenging because then it, it doesn't look like there's any end in sight of averaging that type of loss over a period of time. And, and well, let me ask this. Go ahead. Yeah, let, me ask, let me ask this question now. How does, because as I also read the article, but I didn't see anything where it said, you know, facilities were uh, put into the, the structure, infrastructure as far as what's coming, what's coming in and what's going out. And U of H has had uh, quite a bit of stadium re- renovations and additions. They've got a new uh, practice facility for football, and it's just about, uh, uh, I know it's covered over, and they're putting the sides and, and signing and stuff on it. How much is, is, is that been, that money has been put into those numbers? Or is that a separate, because it didn't say where, and what was separate and, and what was on campus, or what was, was private funded, uh, alumni funded. Well, the, the, yeah, but, this article, the, these numbers are, are based on the numbers from the 2015-2016 season. So the U of H facility and those, you know, those numbers won't be done until 2018 for the 2016-2017 season. So I'll have to look at that and wait till next year for the Tribune to do another article on it. But there's no question. TV money is, is the key factor in, in all of this because... TDECU Stadium seats 40,000 people. We do not have 40,000. We, as I'm a UH alum, we do not have 40,000 season ticket holders. So let's not get that confused or anything. There's, you know, there's a discussion about expanding at some point in the future to expand the stadium to 60,000. If you get to that point and get that successful, that'd be great. We're, we're light years away from that. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. We're trying to get 30,000 season ticket holders and, you know, let alone the numbers we have right now. So the next TV negotiation, if you want to call it TV, is key to the American. The American is trying to, is branding itself as a power six conference. But I've said it on previous podcasts. I think we're only one of the few media outlets to even consider the American as a power, as a power six. Well, one of the few folks that uses the term power six other than the American and the coaches within the American. I saw a tweet from Kevin Ollie at UConn referred to the league as a power six. That's great. Let's hear it. Yeah, I, I think it is uh, great in terms of marketing. Several sports that the American is a power six. But usually when they refer to the power six, which is what you're referencing, Chris, is on the financial end. Right. And it's nowhere close uh, to the American via power six in regards to what they're doing financially. And that's why, as you were pointing out, this next contract means everything to everybody that's in the conference. I mean, we, we've touched on it months ago that the Big Ten and uh, the SEC are averaging... 25 million per member school. Big Ten, I think, close to 40 million per member school because of their TV deals. The American, I think, is one or two million per member school. There's no way, unless that that gap shrinks, there's no way U of H can continue continue having a $25.9 million gap between revenue and expenses and continue on this path. It's just not economically feasible long term. So Amazon, Facebook, uh, whatever other new medium, you know, Hulu, Netflix, whatever. I'm just giving all these folks that aren't giving us a dime, mentioning them by name. If they decide to venture down this road and sponsor, become the money behind the American 
for serious dollars, then that's what it's going to take to get on that power six level of money to really compete economically. Because on the field and on the court, especially on the court now, you have Wichita State joining the American officially July 1st. It's only a week away. Basketball-wise, it's getting better. Football-wise, it's bits and starts. U of H beating Florida State, you know, a couple of years ago, which helped in this article we cited, helped bridge the gap and shave off a million dollars of U of H's subsidy. It's going to happen. That's happening. Has to happen year in year out. U of H or an American conference representative has to be in, in that big bowl all the time, every year. Has to be a part of the Power Six bowl. What they call the Group of Five bowl game every year. If not break down the door and be in that final four one out of three or four years where that, that particular school gets a huge hunk of money and then they get 60% of that money and the rest of the schools get 40%. If Congress schools get 40% of that, of that power five money, bowl division, championship bowl division money, that's what's going to have. That's what it has. To, that's what it's going to take. Without that, we will be looking at university of Houston uh, as an FCS school at some point, because it, this can't last. You, you know, yes, the facility's up. The football practice facility looks great. There is a link to it, a time-lapse photography posted on uofh.edu. You can see it. It's, it's close to completion. It looks like it's on schedule to be done in time for uh, fall football in a couple of months. Looks great. I mean, there, U of H has facilities now, especially when the basketball facility is done in time for next season that are better than many power five schools that are in smaller cities. But if there's no TV money, it's not going to last long term. Now, uh, with that being said, how going to looking for forward down the road bold money is, is structured this way and that's across and this is across the board okay. to look at the economic engine of America and what direction that is going to go I mean I think you you're so true so I think you see a lot of institutions are going to have to tighten their belt um, I think you see legislative body that are not wanting to finance collegiate education as much, which means it's going to be, it's going to require those presidents to go as um, those boosters to support even more. And then there is going to be at some point a disposition of where that money needs to really go. Do you want them to continue to push to support athletic? A position at this point, as you said, is losing revenue. Versus doing other things with the university. So it can be a, a very challenging time. So this deal is going to have to be significant. And the more the economy goes in a different direction, the faster you're going to see the need for that to take place. Uh, or things will get ugly even quicker. I, I think the window is, is four or five years. You got the American deal negotiation to be within a year or two. And then you got the Big Ten deal after that and, and the big boys, after, you know, within that five year window. And we're still talking about it's not as much as it was months ago about ultimately being four 16 team divisions. That'll be, I guess, you know, the ultimate round of expansion. And we kicked around that some, in some cases, U of H may bump a school like a football school like Kansas State or Iowa State because of what it can offer uh, a conference, a 16 team division. But if those things don't happen within that five year window, then alums, many alums will just realize we can't afford this. We cannot do this. We cannot sustain this. So why we can. Why should we continue doing this? And let's, it's time to get out. It's time to do something different because we, we, uh, made our, put our best foot forward. 
and it's not working. Our contract with the American is not enough. We're not, they, we didn't get invited to the, the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or the SEC or whatever to join a 16-team conference. We, we tried. It didn't work out. We didn't fail. We put forth our effort. It just didn't happen. It's time to just accept that reality and move on to something else. And it was challenging for uh, those American conferences, particularly in this case, University of Houston, uh, particularly in a lot of ways in life, what's going to be frustrating that you alluded to is some of it and much of it may not be ultimately in their control. Exactly. Now, let me, let me add to this. We, there's already been an attempt to do a 16-team conference. It was it was the WAC, and this was in uh, when the Southwest Conference broke up. Schools that didn't get invited to the Big Twelve to to form what is now the Big Twelve, they left and went to the uh, all except for U of H, all left and went to the WAC. Now in that process, uh, teams teams were okay with it at first, just because it, it looked good. You know, they just, they saw some. They went for a quick money grab, but when you had a four times on um, travel period between all the schools, including you know, it's, it's, it, it it got kind of hectic, and everybody said, "Okay, you know, let's, let's get out of this," and that that split up. But the other thing you work got to worry and worry about on the media side, and Doc, you can alleviate that, uh, alleviate to this. Uh, uh, a lot better than I can. Sponsorships for these bowls, they are steadily changing on a yearly basis on who's affiliated with who and can they pay out the, the funding, you know, in the process once the, 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 the uh, they've been, uh, the bowl has been acquired and the bowl has been done. How quickly do you, do they assimilate and, and either shrink the amount of bowls? Of financial stability financially with these sponsorships and these signages. I'm not. I'm not sure. I think you asked the important question, but I'm not positive that even though that it seems like there's a problem with the bold title changing out every two or five years, I think there are enough companies that see the benefit of having their names associated with a bold that's on television. Then I think it's just the natural cycle of businesses finding a way to brand themselves. So once they kind of brand themselves, they'll take their name off of this and go to something and maybe come back. It's not that same bowl, a different bowl, or a bowl to put their name on an actually, uh, actually a facility. So I don't necessarily see that as a problem. I think what you're alluding to is also important is just is the bubble going to burst in terms of athletic expenditures? And at this point, there's just too many eyeballs on it for me to see that going away anytime in the near future. I think you're just going to have your natural movements and new technology that push continues to push this further as, as people move forward. I think your bigger question you have to ask is from a legislative point and legal standpoint and the NCA model itself with the power of five schools to be. But I think it's a good point for me to put out that the NCA is ahead of a lot of the lawyers as the lawyers continue to push and let uh, litigate. The NCA sees this coming to an end to the point that it may ultimately go into congressional hearings or uh, Supreme Court. So if, it, if they see it going to the congressional hearing, They've already created an organization called Lead One, where they actually hire uh, individuals to go to the to Congress and lobby for them. So they created a lobbying form, if you will, to actually lobby the legislative bodies in Congress uh, if this ever comes up to support uh, what they have on paper. So. These individuals are very serious about keeping the status quo. And if that means literally lobbying and playing. And we've seen from history that the Congress people are leaders are not necessarily 
about the people a lot more they're interested in institutions and lobbyists that uh, pay for them to live the lifestyle they live and stuff whether they continue to get reelected. Um, so mm, to me that's become obvious. So this this is really significant and serious that I'm not sure people really have paid that much attention to or understand, particularly those of us that see the MCA in a lot of ways of being very exploitation, exploitative. So it's a major issue from that standpoint. Couple things. First, gentlemen, let everybody know who you are and how they can find you on the internet. Wildcat? I am the Victor Ward Wildcat. You can find me online at the uh, social media platforms. Uh, Twitter, TweetDeck, and Facebook at JL Woodley1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr. And you can find me uh, on YouTube and uh, SoundCloud at AKSVDCSR, the College Sports Report. Yes, you can find me on the social media platforms. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, similar as you can find the Fifth Ward Wildcat. You can find me under the handle Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-V-I-L. You can also catch me uh, on our podcast from a live broadcast that we do every Tuesday from 6 to 7 on KKBQ, 92.9, the easiest way to catch that is uh, listen or watch and listen as we stream it at KSOH-TV. So you can Google up KSOH-TV and you can see and stream the show. If you can't catch it live, you can go to SoundCloud, www.soundcloud.com and listen to the podcast at Doctorville inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Our last show, we had two interesting colleagues come on. Uh, one was a professor, Dr. Jeremy Cheeks of Alabama A&M, as well as the AD at Langston University. Cheeks' interview to me was uh, intriguing for those that had gotten the news about the, the SWAC eliminating the SWAC football championship game. At this point, it's supposed to be last year. Uh, many people are saying it was because the game was losing money, but Commissioner Dewey Sharp came out with a quote from the Montgomery Advisor, I believe it is, newspaper up there in Montgomery, where he was quoted as saying that the Houston did really well, they treated well, they enjoyed the time in Houston, and that the president did not necessarily cancel the game because it was losing money. So, people are intriguing about what's going on there. So that's It is my understanding that they will move from the Toyota Center in basketball this year to Dermar. So a lot of changes going on in the SWAC. We'll be talking about football shortly. But many times in the summer, many people think it's quiet in terms of the college front. But as you can see, a lot of things, a lot of issues to talk about at this time during the summer. So be in- interesting folks. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and I'll keep you on up to date with a lot of those things that are hot and heavy. HBCU landscape, particularly with the swag obviously in our back door, as well as articles and books that I'm writing. Doc, you said that the swag basketball championship is gonna move to Delmar? <laughs> is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, that is what I said. Okay, well, it, it, I it makes sense. It, so, are they? So, who's going to be the corporate sponsor? Yeah, that's a really good question, Chris. I haven't heard any word in terms of who would be the corporate sponsor. I would suggest that's probably uh, part of the problems they're having with um, making the tough decisions that the president's had to make. I mean, from a from a size facility. Facility standpoint, size-wise, it makes sense because Toyota Center was too big for the small crowds they were that they had been generating 
for their championships and everything like that. So Del Mar's oh, about five thousand. So that's uh, fine. The Yoda Center was certainly too large, especially if you didn't have the ability to really market it in a such a way that you could make it a major event. In a lot of ways, you probably need to grow to that. But um, in some ways, I think the Delmar might be a little too small, particularly for a championship game. If you have some key matchups like uh, Texas Southern and Southern, surely for Prairie and Southern, uh, you might be in, I guess, a neat position because you would think you would sell out easily uh, putting 5,000 people in there for Prairie View. And... Um, and Texas Southern. So it'll be interesting to kind of watch, see how they work. I've heard some people that like well, it at Del Mar because of the new stadium. It's renovated. Uh, but some people see it as a challenge in regards to recruiting HISD and, and, and people being excited about being connected to the high school versus, particularly in terms of the city, versus if it was a Similar to what you see with Long, I mean, with the Southland Conference going out to Katy. Some people thought that they should be at a uh, different facility that was a little bigger uh, in terms of that frame. So it'll be interesting to me to kind of follow to see how it plays off. But it looks like in a lot of ways, uh, this maybe it's, it's hard for me not to imagine a lot of this not about cost. Yeah, it's pros and cons yeah, yeah, to the move yeah. to, to Del Mar, but hopefully the construction around that, the traffic construction, freeway construction is going to be closer to being resolved around 290 and Mangum. Because if not, this really this still going to be bad despite moving to a smaller facility to the field house. But we'll see how it plays out. The parking, the parking will be one thing that would. Uh, help everybody out because it'll alleviate, you know, spread it all out, the different garages out on the street, you'll all be in one spot, and it'll be cheaper. Oh, you know, like yeah. I said, it's pro- good, pros and cons problem, to it. Might, as he said, getting over there might be. <laughs> I ain't worried about getting over there. You know me, Jeff. Yeah, but I see, you're, 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 you're one person. You're not, you know you're, how to make it work. We're talking about everybody else. Yeah, we're, we're talking about the buying public. Hey, well, you know, there's folks always, at some point, you know, they get that individualism, man, and they just say, I ain't going to say it about them. As long as I get the way I get it. <laughs> Let's let's take uh, two steps back. One recent step, and then a more a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago uh, step. Last night was the NBA draft. The Rockets drafted big man, seven foot seven one, nineteen year old Isaiah Hardenstein, born in America. First ten eleven years of his life, grew up in Eugene, Oregon. Then his folks and him moved to Germany. He's biracial. He looks white, but he is biracial. Mom is white. Dad is not. Is is uh, I guess he's German. Af- what do we call it? Doc? African German. Afro German. Afro German. That's what Florian Hardenstein. That's a good article about okay. Isaiah uh, in uh, undefeated.com. No, Florian, like I said, Florian played ball in Oregon and just moved to Germany to play professional basketball. So that's what I went went to Germany. So, he, so Isaiah grew up there. So I urge and encourage everybody to go to undefeated.com to read, get a little more insight about Isaiah. And it's ironic. I was sent the link and I posted it on Facebook and Twitter. And then that was, well, I guess, Wednesday. And then Thursday, the Rockets drafted him in second round, 43rd pick. So, and there is, so, yeah. I have the YouTube video of Daryl Morey's uh, press conference around midnight last night, this morning. So it's on my YouTube channel, Houston Round Bar View. And I got a clip on uh, Instagram, Houston Round Bar View, of, of Morey saying that Isaiah will play on the Summer League team, but he's expected to play overseas this season. So it'll be different than Clint, Clint Capella because... Isaiah did tell us last night during a conference call that he hoped to play for the Rockets this season, but he had not yet at that point spoken to anyone with the organization. And then minutes later, 
Daryl Morey told us that Isaiah was, is expected to play overseas this season because Rockets really are trying to keep as much salary cap room free and wiggle room available to make uh, some big moves. They've been rumored to try to acquire Paul George or Chris Paul. Patrick Beverly's been discussed in the deals to get some of these star one one star player back in return, as well as Lou Williams and Ryan Anderson. So, you know, everybody knows who follows the Rockets. Daryl Moore is not afraid to make deals, so he's got something up his sleeve and we'll see if he's able to pull it off. So that's in the works. You know, go to HoustonRombarview.com, follow me on Twitter at VHR Review to keep up with that. But I wanted to talk to you since um, Woodley, in addition to being a hootie who, is also, you know, a college sports report and Big 12 person. Get y'all's thoughts on Bob Stoops retiring. <laughs> uh, I was shocked like everybody else. Uh, I was sure something else was going to come out. We, you know, in any moment to explain why he made this decision. But uh, if he's that peaceful, that I would say good for him. You know, I listened to it, and I guess I was uh, paying attention to something else. Cause at first, I was originally saying, did he not thank his players? I was tweeting with my brother and uh, cousins, and they said he did. So I'm glad to wrong on that. So I was like, man, that's tough. He thanked everybody except for them. It helped him. Financially get to the place to get. But outside of that, I was shocked. Um, like everybody else, I was beat. Um, but it seems in some ways maybe set up the assistant coach to make sure that he would be named. Obviously, he would seem to be the interim coach and waiting. So it worked out. Some people attribute it to the fact that um, his father lost his life relatively early. And then other folks are saying that he has uh, senior children in uh, high school that he want that he may want to spend more time with, to make sure that he gets followed in as they finish out their high school year. Nobody has done, but at the end of the day, happy with his decision. God bless. Well, you know, I'm looking at it the same way. I'm looking at. Uh Urban Myers, when he made the move from Florida to get out and kind of like sit, you know, kind of enjoy a few years out, out away from the game, uh, not so much for health reason, but more so to kind of like sit back and kind of like get, regather himself and, and reboot. But the other thing, too, uh, I was in, by me being at the uh, uh, Women's College uh, World Series softball, uh, there was nothing mentioned on the horizon that all of this was going to happen and everybody was all excited you know uh, the, the, the day the night before the evening before rather when Oklahoma won the uh, national championship so when I was in, in transport and all the next all the, the the whole of 24 hours the next day I was I get home that's when I, I tweeted you all and I uh, text you all and said like, what, what, what happened what did I miss what did I miss that was fun. You know, that, that was kind of, but, you know, Oklahoma, the norm is like right there. And OKC, you, you know, just to drive away, you kind of do things kind of quickly. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense that, that it was really something that he kept to himself and decided to make it. You were right there in the backyard and nothing really was out there that it was happening. So it's going to be interesting next month and all for media day. A lot of questions all across the board, Big 12, the American and Conference USA, which has been real quiet here lately. Uh, it'll be know, interesting where they are. I know one person that is happy. Over there on the 48th, Tom Herman. The Lakers guy got pretty good with his recruits now. He over there smiling like a big cat. And he didn't get rid of the big coach. They still got to play. They still got to play. Oh, yeah, you got to play the game, but I'm sure he's he feeling comfortable right now. And, you know, he gets off and loses a couple of games. That'll change real fast. But in terms of looking <laughs> surprising, he's like, oh, uh, maybe this break work out. But I'll turn it around in a different way. 
from a from the eyes of Longhorn boosters and say if the Longhorns and Herman lose to the Sooners this year, you lost to the man who replaced Bob Stoops. You couldn't even, come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, that would be good. So the pressure, the pressure goes up. Yep, we're gonna wind yeah. it down here and touch on a little, just briefly. Wildcat and I were in Columbus uh, last Friday after two. What was it called? Mechanical issues with our flights to get to Columbus. <laughs> we, we finally yeah. arrived. We- and it, we're, it was, I don't know whether it, it was just because it was you and I that was traveling that day or what, but maintenance was a word of the day. But we were able to get there, and, and thankfully, uh, Bruce Wimbish of the Columbus Sports Commission was kind enough to uh, meet with us and take us to lunch and show us around the arena district. And we were impressed. And, yeah. and the, both of us told yeah. Bruce straight up that we would not, before the trip, we had our doubts about why Columbus, and we saw why Columbus. Yeah. So this, the arena's nice, yeah. the hotels around the, the arena are nice, the facilities, the, we've got the Market Center, uh, I think North Market, I think everybody's going to enjoy that, yeah. fans are going to enjoy that. It's, yeah. you know, for food, meat, seafood, ice cream, all in one place, uh, I think barbecue as well, all in one stop. Yeah. So fans are going to enjoy that. Fresh meat. So we've got plenty of bars around there as well, just for those who like to have a, an adult beverage or two. So, But also, now, don't forget to mention about the, the alumni and the team the, uh, support group. So they, they will actually have their own yeah. facilities for bars to hang at. Correct. Uh, that's one thing. That, Bruce, was the, that was the other thing. Now. Bruce did mention that, <laughs> that they will... The, the four participating teams, wow. each of the four participating teams will have a bar set aside for them to call their own during the Final Four weekend. So we, we know UConn will be one of the four, so there will be an establishment focused on UConn. We'll have UConn memorabilia, et cetera. And so the other three teams, same thing. We'll have a alumni a bar for each alumni group to represent and party and celebrate their team and celebrate their team competing for the championship and being Columbus for the Final Four. So we got a double hitter in November, to part of the kick tip-off season, tip-off weekend uh, featuring Ohio State, uh, UConn, Stanford as well. I think Louisville is the fourth team in that the tip-off foursome. So that'll be there. And Bruce will also be joining us in, in August in Indy as well as some other members of the Columbus media as part of the NCAA mock selection exercise. So, and he has agreed to be a part of the podcast one or two. He doesn't know how many times he's, I'm asking to be on here, but he has agreed to be a, a guest on the podcast. So we'll have that throughout the season as well as, as well as the local H town coaches, coach Huey, coach Langley, coach Finney and coach Hayes Perry have all agreed to be part of the podcast as well during basketball season. So we got big things planned, listeners, for you. And at some point in the future, we need to get John Royal back on here so we can talk about y'all's Astros and the Astros being the first team to win 50 games in MLB this season, the quickest to get to 50 this year. So y'all think I don't know about stuff like this, but you see, you know. Good job, Chris. Good job. So. Somebody made me. Somebody doesn't mean I'm gonna watch it or anything like that. No, mind you, I'd rather watch the grass grow or die. But um, so, but we'll get some Astro discussion on here before you guys head out for uh, football media day. So college football is around the corner. So before y'all head out on the road, or even now, I think this this Skype has worked for the most part. We we'll do that while y'all are traveling. We'll make it that schedules work and try to get. John back on here to talk about the Astros, get some baseball, get Charles Bishop back on here as well to uh, talk about and get their insights on things going on. So we have plans for the podcast. We're growing. We've got people from other parts of the country listening to the podcast. So thank you very much for that. Thank you to my new subscribers on the on YouTube channel who uh, like the Maury post game post or well, press conference posted yesterday. Even had some people who didn't like what he said during the, the press conference, but hey, that's all part of it. You know, good and bad comments. As long as you keep it clean and keep it respectful, I had no problem with that. So 
Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Let's wrap it up. Wildcat, give me something as we, we take it home. Well, all I can say is Columbus, well, this job well done. That's basically, I, I, I can say it just like that. And everyone will be excited, enlightened, and don't forget, it's a couple of months away. Not a year, just a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting excited as we, as you said, we're going to get back on the road in a lot of ways and start covering the football media day to make sure that we can keep all our listeners informed of what to look out for during the college football season. A lot going on, a lot out there, so I look forward to keeping up the news, keeping up with the news and the latest for everybody. All right, gentlemen, thank you for your time. Listeners, you know if you listen to us, you can catch us on, on SoundCloud, iTunes, Pod Directory, a lot of the, the uh, pod podcasts. We are the KG Fitbook Wildcat and Doc Podcast. We're also on Facebook at our own page as well as our individual personal pages. So thank you for your time. Gentlemen, we'll do it soon. Looking forward to a continued discussion. Gonna wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.